episode 24, chapter 2 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Dr. Charlie Self is one of our former professors at the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. His Ph.D. from the University of California, Santa Cruz, was in modern European history with a focus on Belgian Protestantism, studies in virtue ethics, and the Holocaust. Dr. Self is the author of three books, The Divine Dance, The Power of Faithful Focus, and his most recent work, Flourishing Churches and Communities, a Pentecostal primer on faith, work, and economics for spirit-empowered discipleship. Today, Dr. Self is the Director of City Development for the Made to Flourish Network, a community of pastors connecting faith and work. Charlie has the honor of resourcing current city leaders and helping create new networks across all denominations. He's also in demand as a strategic consultant, encourager to leaders, keynote speaker, and presenter to church and civic groups. And this is just a taste of all the work he's doing. Dr. Charlie Self is probably best at stimulating people of all perspectives to think deeply and act decisively. Is there a connection between our Sunday worship and the work we do throughout the rest of the week? While we may say yes to this question, most of our lives aren't lived this way. We simply don't see how the two are related. We've broken our lives into two categories. We put the sacred God stuff in one category and the secular work stuff in the other. But this is a problem for the church, because God wants all of our lives. When we choose to make him Lord, the categories disappear and everything gets absorbed into the sacred space, especially our vocations and occupations. That's why step four to creating a lifestyle of discipleship is serve with purpose. And in today's chapter, Charlie helps us break down this sacred-secular divide and helps us understand how we can serve others through the work God has called us to. I had fun writing an article recently that has three different titles because it was published three different places. But the thesis of it is that self-denial is not self-destruction. So how do we know the difference between the godly making a way for others, the godly endurance, and what is ultimately destroying the very thing God made us to do. And so um, I've been working on that for 25 years, still working on it. Um, So the Gospel Coalition published it, uh, Missio Alliance published it, and our own Made to Flourish published it under the title of When Can I Quit My Job? Um, And so I think this whole issue of, I want to be so careful, I've got a destiny. Yes, you do, but it's not disconnected from others. Yeah. Do you think people are called with a certain vocational calling then? Like there's a, there's a destined job out there that God has for us? I think so. Let me, let me clarify it, and I've borrowed from Oz Guinness here. There is one general kingdom calling. In one sense, what Dr. Guinness likes to say is there's one calling and then different avenues. So our first and highest call is to God and his kingdom. And that's the great command and the great commission. We're called to his glory. We're called to make his glory known. And by the way, that should occupy our we that should occupy our attention. If you want to make it subcategories, if you want to make it facets, you can play with this. But there's three other parts of calling that I think are important. And by the way, 
I want to have fun with your words today. Don't ever use the word vocational calling together. They're the same thing. The vocatio is the Latin word for calling. So what you're really saying is calling, calling. But anyway, that's, that's, that's just a joke. But so the second one is we, we, we then have, we do that as a single or married person. Now that calling may be temporary. That may be lifetime. But being single or married in and of itself is part of, of, part of a calling. And neither one's deficient, by the way. And I'm, I'm happily married for 39 years, but I can tell you that it's um, that I'm amazed at my wife's graciousness. But marriage isn't the answer to problems any more than getting out of a marriage is an answer to a problem. It's simply where God's designed me to be and designed Kathy and I to be together. Thirdly, thirdly, Ephesians 2.10 seems to indicate that God has some good works for us to walk in and other gift passages seem to imply that people serve, I'll use Romans 12, people serve in different domains of service. And though you can do more than one in a lifetime, I don't think these are hard and fast, there's generally both uh, natural and spiritual proclivities that come out, and then there's areas of, of society that you're going to be called to make an influence in. And that's, that's really the fourth area, is what area, how do you make the world a better place? So, Yes, I think people have a calling, but here's the here's the caveat. You're we are always more than our job description. And so, for example, my encouraging, equipping and empowering calling right now is expressed with Made to Flourish, with AGTS, with speaking, and I'm not a local church pastor. Though I'm on the teaching team at our church, I'm not and people call me pastor because of my experience. Uh, I'm not so I'm not doing some things I did 10 years ago. That's where, you, yeah, you make that point in the book, right? Vocation and occupation are not the same thing. And occupation is what you're talking about here is those things that just occupy your time right now. Well, and don't, don't even put the word just there because they are the places where vocations fulfill. So, so for example, for the 21st century, most folks listening to this podcast, are going if they're under 30 or under 40 right now, they're going to have three or four careers and eight or ten jobs. We want them vocationally stable and occupationally nimble or flexible. So they're right right now there may be someone listening and you're you're a great truck driver. You're all you are more than that. You may have other gifts and things you volunteer to do. So don't ever say you're just a truck driver. But right now you're driving a truck for the glory of God and you're contributing to goods getting to my house. Praise praise God. But in 25 years, you may not be driving a truck. They may be automated. We don't know. But in, 20, but in 25 years, God will have new work for you in which you participate in the economy and glorify him. So I love what you just said there, too, because like this is where I think the rubber meets the road of trying to understand our, our how discipleship plays out in the everyday moments of life. Right? You said you're driving a truck for the glory of God. Yes. And I think this is where the church needs to do a better job of saying, no, like, how is it that you're driving that truck is is bringing glory to God? Like, I find that this is a problem in some of the like the organizations, right? Organizations don't do a good enough job even telling their own people how they contribute value to its own mission or or vision. And so, really, kind of what you're talking about here is it's it's really the vision or the mission of the church, capital C, that we should be talking about this vocation. And no matter like how you play it out in your everyday life, if it's the driving the truck, 
this is how you're contributing value to the kingdom of God. Well, I'll give you an example of a practice that churches are doing across the country. They're doing two to three minute interviews with congregants during the worship service called This Time Tomorrow. And they ask a congregant, how will you be glorifying God this time tomorrow? Well, I'm a homeschooling parent. Uh, I run a dry cleaner. I have a business. I'm going to school. Great. And, and, And how's God at work in that work? And what happens is, especially in Christian circles, we really do sacralize some work and secularize other work. Now, there's value extracting sinful work that we want all people to avoid. So I'm going to assume that for a moment. But for the other 90% that's out there, um, there's no unimportant work. Uh, the way I, and in my book, I define it this way, and it's becoming... It's getting used a little bit more that work is all meaningful and moral activity apart from leisure and rest. So parenting is work. Volunteering is work. Making money is work. And what matters is how much value you're adding, not just the money you're making. Now, we have a whole other discussion in economics someday. But but the, the fact of the matter is you bring value in nourishing those kids or watching your grandkids or volunteering or being on the intercessory prayer team or running a business. Um, And if we can have kingdom scorecards that on a Sunday morning, we're not only praying for a global missionary fully supported by charity to go and make an impact. Thanks. Thank God for that. But we're praying for the new business starting next door. That's going to provide five jobs, transform five families I think they both deserve prayer and commissioning and anointing. And as Pentecostals, we actually think the Holy Spirit's engaged in all of that good work, because that's how God's work's been done in the world most of the time anyway. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the the sacred-secular divide, because I was going to ask about that and uh, explore a little bit more. Uh, Let's go a little deeper into that area, though, and I'm going to ask the kingdom of God question, because again, sometimes we throw around these terms and everybody's using them differently, and like I think that's probably the biggest reason for most of our theological woes out there, arguments, is just we're talking past each other. We just simply are using the different uh, uh, vocabulary. So does the kingdom of God help us—let me say it this way—how does the kingdom of God help us wrap our heads around uh, this dichotomy of sacred-secular and do away with it? Well, if the kingdom of God is broadly defined as the received rule and reign of the triune God, as Christ as Lord in every dimension of life, then there isn't anything secular anymore. Romans 12, 1 and 2 ended that forever. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. When Paul did that, he ended religion. He didn't end going to church. He didn't end the importance of some women and men being called to spiritual leadership and authority. He didn't end that there are, um, you know, there are gradations of influence. He didn't end that. But what he did was he ended the sacred secular gap. Same thing he did in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed. And then he goes on in that context then to talk about slaves and masters Later, talk about husbands and wives, talk about, right? So whatever you do in whatever context you're in. So the other thing is the the local church and the big C church will only find health, stability, 
and fulfillment when they're thinking kingdom, not the preservation of the church. Uh, yeah. So when they're kingdom-minded, how do we glorify God and expand the reign of Christ in individuals and in institutions? How do we bring the goodness of God? We know it's going to be done imperfectly. We know we're in a fallen world. Another, another fun way to put this is how do we live all four chapters of the Bible at once? How do we get in tune with God's original design and with his ultimate destiny? How do we deal with the disaster of sin and the current work of the redemption of Christ and the power of the Spirit? How do we let the bookends inform the middle and really um, live in that uh, wonderful moment of kingdom life? Do you know the vocation to which God has called you? Are you serving with purpose in your daily life? If you don't know your vocation, then the first step for you is to discover it. Your calling will lie at the center of who God created you to be. What resonates with you? What gets you excited? What makes you angry? What sort of work would you do for fun, even if no one paid you for it? What are you good at? What were you doing during times when you felt most fulfilled in life? There are many tools out there to help you discover your vocation. But a simple one would be to look at the intersection of these three areas. What are you good at? What do you like to do? And what would someone pay you to do? If you already know your calling, reflect today on how your occupation is fulfilling that calling and then rest in God's purpose. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Charlie and his work, check out drcharlieself.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Charlie talks about a few of the ways he engages people he disagrees with on social media. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.